Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And today we have a special treat for you because we're joined by special guest Adam Maniva of the Burgundy and Gold Report. How you doing, Adam? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me on, man. Oh, I wouldn't have it any other way because today we have something that's right up your alley. We have our NFC East special breaking down the New York Giants, Philadelphia Eagles, the Washington football team, and the Dallas Cowboys. So I can't even imagine having this show without you, Adam. So thanks for joining us today. But before we jump into that, I I have to, and I I have to highlight this because I thought it was pretty freaking cool. Uh, Everyone might know that there was a SpaceX launch recently, first full-fledged taxi flight uh, for NASA by a private company up to the International Space Station uh, just this Sunday into Monday, and guess who was on that flight? No, it wasn't those four NASA astronauts or that guy from from Japan's Aerospace Exploration Agency. Those guys were there, too. Who was on that flight was Baby Yoda from Star Wars The Mandalorian, which is, in my uh, in my you know, opinion, super freaking cool. What do you, what do you think there, uh, Adam? You're, you like, uh, you're a Mandalorian guy, aren't you? Oh yeah. I, I, I was watched for a while. I took a break for a little bit and came and binge watched the last, uh, couple episodes, uh, earlier today, but yeah, man, it, it, it's just crazy. It like, it's just like waiting for him to do something and it's just like, oh no, he's just an yep. innocent little baby, but it, it's kind of cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's just amazing. So I guess got to say, you know, now he's sitting up there in the International Space Station, everyone should guard their food because we know he'll just eat anything. So, you know, good luck to you guys, astronauts. That's frank, that's freaking fantastic. Anyway, we got lots to talk about today. Like I said, we're breaking down NFC East. We're going to be talking about all those teams, including uh, Adam's beat, the Washington football team. Uh, and this is a division that we kind of written off for a little bit, but they're, maybe they're coming back. I don't know. But anyway, let's get this rolling. So as I just mentioned in previous podcasts, if you've been listening, and I think that this is not out of the ordinary, most everybody have been using the NFC East as the punchline of the jokes uh, that they've issued towards the NFL because they haven't been that good. I mean, let's just face it, they haven't been good at all. But that being said, uh, it's starting to close a little bit. It's looking to get a little close. I mean, at first, at the beginning of the season, we thought it might be the Cowboys. And then we had some injuries there, obviously with Dak Prescott being the most substantial. And then we said, well, maybe it's going to be the Eagles. And then they kind of floundered, then they came back, and then they lost to the Giants. So there's a whole lot to talk about now. Let's go ahead and start all the way from the top and work our way down. Let's start with the Philadelphia Eagles, who basically are getting healthy now. They got, obviously, Carson Wentz is fine. Miles Sanders they got back. They got Alshon Jeffrey back. They should be getting Zach Ertz back. They got Dallas Goddard back. They got a lot back, but they managed to lose a game against the New York Giants in Week 10. So, interestingly enough, they lead the division, but essentially by about only a half game. So, what are your thoughts here? Let's talk about weaknesses, strengths, and then we go to prediction. Let's start with weaknesses first, Adam. What are the Eagles' most glaring weaknesses? Um, I, I think right now it's kind of a toss-up with the O-line and DBs, but I think in the end they're just going to keep giving up a lot of points, and, you know, the DBs are going to be their biggest issue. But I think just with Carson Wentz, just his style of play, 
he's really not doing the guys up front any fl- uh, any, fl- uh, any favors just by, you know, running around, yep. holding the ball, trying to create too much. I just think he's putting a lot on, you know, uh, this makeshift O-line at this point. But I think right now definitely the DBs. Um, as far as the strength, I think you're going to start to see the receiving game really come along. You mentioned Alshon Jeffrey. You know, uh, you know, as, as you and I know, you know, Jalen Rieger is a stud, and it's just a matter of time really before he gets going. Right. So, you know, and also, you know, then they have uh, the small school kid. So there's the Fulgham. So they're really starting to get that going. So once yeah. you know, they start clicking on that, I think that their receivers are going to definitely be, you know, their strength going forward. But they're going to be in shootouts because they're going to have to score a lot of points to beat anybody. You know, I'm looking at the main schedule. They're going to have to put up at least, you know, anywhere between 20, Seven to thirty-five points, in my point and my uh, opinion, to beat most teams out there. Yeah, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens uh, when Zach Ertz returns. Obviously, one of his favorite targets has been designated to return from injured reserve, but you know he has his full complement receivers, and of course, Fulgham, quite the revelation in uh, Philadelphia. I'm sure not for you, but for most, uh, <laughs> most casual NFL fans, Charles Fulgham, quite a revelation there. They got a couple of tough ones coming up. I mean, they got Cleveland coming up in week 11. Yeah, who knows what's uh, up with Cleveland. But then they got Seattle, then Green Bay, then New Orleans, then Arizona, and then back uh, to some of the NFC East uh, 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 folks of Dallas and uh, Washington. So what do you think here? Give us a prediction as to how you think the Eagles are going to end up currently sitting at 3-5-1. and one. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm looking through the remaining schedule. I, I think they'll win two more. Uh, that's going to be five, ten, and one to put them as uh, probably the division winner, which is crazy. I think I have to look back at, wow. at history, but I think this could be <laughs> the worst record for a division winner. But yeah, five, ten, and one. I think they're going to take the division with that record. Holy cow! So you're, you're, I'm assuming that when you say five, ten, and one, you're thinking they're going to have two wins, one against Dallas and one against the the Washington Football Team. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I think. I think, you know, the first game against Washington, I think they definitely caught them behind. But I think when if a fall stays the way it is right now, you know, Washington and anybody in the division is gonna have a tough time. But yeah, there's the, 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 exactly like you called it the division wins. That's all I see him uh, doing for the rest of the season. Wow, that is amazing. That is is truly amazing. Let me let me get your take on Travis Fulgham though. Do you think he's for real? Is he somebody? Before we move on from the Eagles, because I know you know these guys. Pretty much inside, backwards, upside down. Is Travis Folk, is he is he the real deal? Is he going to be uh, their wide receiver one two into the future? Because so far, he looks like he could be that part. Yeah, I, I, I one no. I think that you know he's definitely taking advantage of his opportunities. I think we look back at someone like Marcus Colson, somebody that came out of you know a, a smaller program too and mm-hmm. had success with Drew Brees. And I think with Fulgham, I think that you know he's in a good system, a good situation. Um, I question if he could, you know, do some of the same things in another in another offense, another scheme. But I think as far as staying power as a wide receiver, too, legit option to do that going forward for sure. Wow. So uh, an amazing deal then, a great find for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. We're down to the bare minimums in their receiving core and found a diamond in the rough there. So terrific. Good news for them, at least into the future. We'll see, though, if that offensive line can keep Carson Wentz uh, healthy because that right. they have not been able to prove that they can do that yet. So let's see what happens there, and let's move on to the next team over here. And let's talk about those New York Giants who are now sitting at 3-7. and seven. Uh, They also have had their share of injuries right off the bat, Saquon Barkley being the biggest one right there. Uh, and, of course, injuries up and down their O-line and on defense as well. 
So, you know, who's interest, it's interesting. They're starting to get healthy. Like Sterling Shepard is back. Um, you know, they have their full complement of receivers uh, as, as, as much as you can, you can say there. They got Devontae Freeman, but then he went out on injury. So now they're down to Wayne Gallman. So it's interesting to see what they're going to do with all that. But the New York Giants, give us your take on that. What are the weaknesses and what are the strengths that you see with their team? Uh, similar to, to Philadelphia, I think their weaknesses is they're definitely the defensive backs. They're going to give up a lot of points. And, you know, their O-line, they, they're definitely getting some push, especially in the run game as of late. Um, but in the end, I think that's going to be weaknesses for them. But as far as potential strength, you know, as crazy as it sounds, and until I see more, I'm still going to stay, you know, on my evaluation for Daniel Jones. But <clears throat> to me right now, you know, this team goes with him. He's been making plays, you know, with his legs. You know, he's been making, you know, a lot of plays when, you know, things have broken down. So right now, you know, it's crazy as to say he's, he's their strength of their team. But these DPs and, you know, this O-line, I think this is going to probably uh, protrude them from winning, you know, another game going forward. So I, I don't see them, you know, adding to their total as it is. So so let me, let me ask this question because uh, – and this is actually kind of a, a side question here because Alfred Morris is uh, <laughs> vying for touches there. 19 rush attempts this, uh, over the last two weeks. Uh, Wayne Gallman, obviously the primary back now, which is, sounds just weird. But Alfred Morris, I'm nowhere back into it. You know, Alfred Morris, history with the uh, Washington football team. Uh, what are your thoughts on Alfred Morris? Do you think he's going to be viable for the, uh, for the Giants going forward as a, as a running back change of pace guy? Yeah, or do you think he's just a warm body at this point? Yeah, I, I think he's a change of pace guy, but I think it's based on necessity because I think that's more what Goldman's role was going to be with Barkley as the starter. So I think you'll continue to see Alfred Morris bounce around. You know, he's he's more than serviceable. You know, I still look at him as, you know, he's a scheme running back. You know, he had his most success in, you know, zone gap schemes, but there's plenty of teams running that as as we see around the league. So I think he definitely has to be a number, a number one or two on most teams. I, I don't see it. I think, you know, he's a legit number three going forward for many teams. But if you're looking for fantasy, any kind of fantasy hype with him, I, no, I wouldn't touch him. I just think he's a hard runner. And, yeah, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd be fine if Washington had him again because right now, you know, they, they don't have anyone like that that can run between the tackles, uh, you know, with his kind of uh, experience at least. Oh, right. I, uh, I I agree with all that. And, and, actually, let me ask you another kind of follow-up question to that because news was today that the Giants have fired their O-line coach, Mark Colombo, uh, he had come over with uh, offensive coordinator Jason Garrett from Dallas just this offseason. Uh, the, we already talked about it. Giants offensive line is a has been a disaster for the most part. They've allowed the third right. most sacks in the league. Ex-Dolphins offensive line coach Dave DiGalamo was hired to replace Colombo. Do you think this is a Im- important change for them or just more of the same? Ah, uh, just more of the same. I think exactly like you said. You know, he came over with Garrett. It 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 was a familiarity hire. You know, they all do that. They bring you know a couple people from their former staff. Um, but I think you know just with his situation. You know, Washington fans know we had him for a little. He was actually one of our our offensive linemen for a little bit. So you know, we know that he's a bit of a hothead. We've seen it. You know, when he was in Washington. So not really surprising as far as any kind of shakeup. I don't think so. I think as long as they have Garrett running the offense, he's actually doing, in my opinion, a, you know, a pretty decent job of, you know, the plays he's going, especially, you know, with an emphasis on quick game. But I don't think this is, you know, it's, it's just the whole idea of two coaches fighting, which is newsworthy. But other than that, yeah, I don't think it'll make much difference. Right, right. So there are, there are some, and, and I guess you're referring to the reports out there that the uh, 
that uh, Joe, that uh, Mark Colombo had some uh, heated verbal altercations with Joe Judge, head coach of Joe Judge, which could have contributed to his uh, early dismissal from the Giants. We'll be interested to see oh, if that okay. makes any difference at all going forward. Uh, let me ask you this then, and I, and I, I think I already know how, what you're going to say here, but the Giants have on tap, um, you know, some tough games, but uh, some that are possibly winnable. They have a bye week coming up, but then they're going to be facing Cincinnati. Then they got some tough ones there with Seattle and Arizona, Cleveland, the wild card, Baltimore, a tough one, and then Dallas. When they are currently sitting right there in the second spot at three and seven, what do you think? What are your, uh, your prediction for how they're going to end up the season? Yeah, so, you know, so surprisingly, I think uh, they're, they're not going to win another game. And I think Dallas will actually get wow. that last game on them at the end of the year. Um, and just one of those, you know, fluke NFC matchups. You know, Giants are clearly, you know, better suited to take the win. But I think Dallas will get that. So I, I don't see Giants winning another game for the rest of the year, even though, you know, they've definitely made some traction with their win. I think that's probably the, you know, as far as it's going to go for them. Wow. Okay. So far, not looking fantastic for the NFC East. Let's move on to your Washington football team, now sitting at 2-7 and seven in third place in the NFC East, but within striking distance like everybody else. And, uh, you know, clearly it's uh, interesting for them because they started with Dwayne Haskins. They moved on to Kyle Allen, and Kyle Allen got injured, and now you're back to Alex Smith. And it's a, a great personal story. But it's a question of whether it's a great football story for the Washington football right. team. What are your thoughts about the Washington football team weaknesses and strengths? Um, right now, I'm, I'm actually about to put out an article about one of, to me, one of the biggest weaknesses is um, their defensive coordinator, um, Jack Del Rio, coming huh? this season. You know, I was actually encouraged as a Washington fan that we'd get a season coordinator, and a guy that's actually had head coaching experience. Um, but just the more I'm watching, you know, what he's doing, he's really putting out a vanilla product out there. You know, you've got Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, Allen, Grancy lost Ioannidis for the year, but you still have other guys in John Allen and Tim Settle. And he's just running a very vanilla zone style off coverage kind of scheme. And it's just not aggressive. He's wasting the talent. You know, you have Chase Young that's getting double, triple teamed in most situations. Well, as a defensive coordinator, uh-huh. you're seeing that happen. You can obviously combat that with many scenarios, with corner blitzes, safety blitzes, linebackers. There's a lot of stunts you can do. So right now, that's one of the biggest weaknesses. You would think I would have said, you know, the offense. But honestly, right now, as crazy as it's to say, <laughs> one of their strengths, I do believe, is um, the way the offense kind of is showing second-half resiliency. I'm not saying I prefer the way they're doing it. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for – um, you know, a, a team scoring 14 to 20 points in the second half. But we've seen this happen with many teams. So I don't think it's really an anomaly. I think this is just something where teams in the NFL don't know how to keep leads these days. I think they're more inclined to go to zone coverages, cloud coverages, and really just give up a lot of yards. Thus, you know, I think it had a lot to do with the Washington comeback leading to nearly 400 yards for Alex Smith. But just in the end, just like, you know, uh, you know we've seen in the past, especially with Washington quarterbacks, it's just too little too late. Um, so in the end, you know, he's definitely Alex Smith is a strength as far as going forward. That's up for debate. Um, I'm not on board with, you know, I think he could be an okay bridge quarterback, but I think uh, their biggest weakness right now is just their lack of innovation on defense. I think they've got the talent, you know, on the other side of the ball, they're young. So I think you have to really temper your expectations, but on the defensive side of the ball, 
I personally had a lot of expectations at the Burgundy and Gold Report that they would be a lot better. Um, and I think right now uh-huh. Jack Del Rio is blowing it. So I think that's, you know, a serious consideration for, you know, not this year, but moving forward, you know, is he going to be the right coordinator for Washington? Yep. So let me ask you a, a, a semi-related question about your head coach, Ron Rivera, because obviously it's hard to judge so far along, but how do you feel about Ron Rivera and what he's doing with the team? I think he's in a tough situation, to be honest with you. I don't think it was necessarily the best hire for to turn the franchise around right away. I think it really was to stop the bleeding because I think as long as, you know, Daniel Snyder owns this team, it will always be in peril. They're always going to have some kind of issues. You know, he walked into the name change situation. He walked into, you know, the allegations from the Washington cheerleaders. You know, I could keep going on and on and on. So really, you know, his job has been to a cleanup. And in the midst of all this, he's dealing with cancer and in the middle of, you know, a a, a pandemic. So I I have to say, I'll, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of doubt and saying, you know, he's doing an okay job. I think that he's done a lot of things that, you know, have made Washington fans, you know, scratch their head. But I think it's more about, quote, unquote, trying to clean up the culture right now rather than taking this team to the playoffs. So I think it's a long haul for him. The question is, is Daniel Snyder going to allow this to go on for three, four years? Because I think you're going to see him get another, you know, I think through the 2022 season, he's safe no matter how bad they do. But the question is, you know, how long would this go? Because I was a guy that really liked uh, Kansas City offensive coordinator Eric Bannamy because I think he's probably one of the best minds that's coming out right now. But Washington was a situation where they needed a cleaner, and I think Rivera was able to come in, you know, and instill a lot of his, you know, military background and teaching and also, you know, experience as a player. But I think, you know, for the situation, I think he's, he, he's doing an okay job. I'd give him as far as coaching job under the circumstances. I would give him a C, for, you know, thus far. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm, I'm a big Ron Rivera fan from his time with the Chicago Bears. Obviously, I'm not going to comment on his time as a coach, but as a player, I was a big fan. So uh, interesting to see how that shakes out. Clearly a very difficult uh, um, situation for him to walk into in Washington. One more follow-up question on your offense. We saw Alex Smith pepper targets all over the freaking place this last week. 390 yards, kind of empty, no no actual touchdowns, but still 390 yards it's a, and, and 55 passing attempts. You know, three guys were targeted past Terry McLaurin. We already know that McLaurin is the guy, but then there was also Steven Sims, Cam Sims, and Isaiah Wright. Any of those guys look like legit uh, wide receivers into the future, or are they just a product of the situation? Well, Cam Sims is a guy that, you know, I was high outcome. I'm, I'm an Alabama fan. And when Washington got him as an undrafted free agent, I was, you know, obviously, you know, happy about that. And thus far, he's really mm-hmm. underperformed. He got, you know, a couple some opportunities last year, but really I think it was two, three receptions for 20 yards. But I think now he's through four games, uh, something like uh, over 200-something yards and a touchdown. So I think he's somebody I look at as, you know, a 6'5", 220-pound product that's He's fine in his own, so I think he's a legit threat in this offense. Rivera has shown even in Carolina. He likes to have that quick guy, you know, spread the field like McLaurin, but likes to have those, you know, six four six fives like the Devin Funches and the Benjamins. Yeah. And I think that, you know, out of those yep. guys that I just mentioned, Cam Sims has the higher signaling than all, all of those guys. So I think he could be a legit number two. But it'll be interesting because they have guys like, uh, you know, Antonio Goldie, Gandy, uh, Gandy Golden, I think will be really good in time. Um, but the rest of those guys, yeah, you're, you're, you're talking about more role players, more depth guys, not really guys that are true impact. 
Okay, that's, uh, that all makes sense. And Antonio Gibson, your running back of the future or just uh, part of a running back by committee? I'm glad you mentioned him. I, I actually still put him in the receiver conversation, you know, until I hope oh, that he's going to finally right. realize that what, he, what he has on his hands. Because, you know, we saw last week that he started using more two-back sets with McKissick in there, but he's still sending McKissick out mm-hmm. and leaving Antonio Gibson home to block. It's the wrong way to use him. So, basically, I don't think it's a failed project as a running back, but I think they're doing him a disservice by leaving him down so a lot. I, I would probably have, you know, his load more at like 70 receiver, 30 running back the first year and see how it goes. Um, but I think he can be, in saying that, he can be really good, a really good running back, but I think he can be more effective as a, you know, a big body throwback type, you know, slot receiver that comes out of the backfield. But um, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with that. I think that, you know, he still has a lot to learn. You know, he's coming from the Juco level. Uh-huh. You know, although he's far along, farther along as a receiver as a running back, I think, you know, he can still really refine his routes. He can clean up a lot of, you know, what he's been missing. I think when you have him with a guy like McLaurin, keeping him in the wide receiver room is what they're uh-huh. going to need to do going forward to get the best out of him. But I love his ceiling, you know, just as a, as a weapon, uh, let's say, instead of, you know, just simply as a running back. Yeah, he certainly looks like a dynamic weapon that they should take take advantage of in more ways than one. So uh, totally interesting to see how they use them going forward into the future. Uh, and let me ask you one more question here. Let's get a bonus question in here on the Washington football team. Let's look into the future because I know you love doing this. What's the, <laughs> one, what's the one guy, one prospect that you would love for the Washington football team to get next year? Oh, man. It's 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 yeah, I know it's gonna be hard. <laughs> it's, it's really early because you know I'm working with the Burgundy Network. We're doing a series on the quarterbacks. You know we already did, of course, Lawrence and Fields, which are the consensus. You know one and two, but you know I disagree with Fields being a consensus number two. I think there's a couple of guys in there with Trey Lance from North Dakota State, um, a guy that myself and a lot of people are getting high on is Zach Wilson, a uh, quarterback from BYU, and uh, you know and another guy yep. that really is is, is you know, shut me up quickly is uh, Kyle Trask from Florida. I really was down on him, and then he's just looked awesome. Um, So I can't really say what prospect right now, but in my opinion, I think if Washington wants to have a future in the next two or three years, you know, possibly one of those guys I mentioned would be on my radar. But um, I also think by adding, you know, another uh, dynamic receiver or a guy that right now the other position I like is uh, Pitt, the tight end from Florida. That's how I started watching the Trask film. This tight end is probably one of the most mm-hmm. dynamic tight ends I've seen come out of the draft, uh, you know, for years. He just is another one of these tweener basketball players that, you know, he'll just catch everything thrown at him. So right now, not one of the quarterbacks, you know, the tight end Pitts from uh, uh, Florida is, is a guy I'm really uh, I'm loving his tape. Yep. Okay. Well, there we go. There's like some some good names over there, and it sounds like you really would like to get a quarterback. But there's a lot of couple other positions there you need to shore up on as well. So very interesting. Let's see how that goes. Everyone definitely tune in and check out the Burgundy and Gold Report because um, Adam has all the great information on those small school prospects as well as prospects that will fit in in Washington. So definitely check that out as they go along. Some great series there to to read. Um, let's go on to the last team in the NFC East. Let's go on to those. Dallas Cowboys, who are also sitting there at 2-7, and seven, uh, they've had a l- number of issues as well. Obviously, the injury to Dak Prescott being number one. And then, of course, Andy Dalton um, not being good, first of all, but then being injured. <laughs> and then we had a little bit of an experiment on the side where I don't even mention how that turned out. And then uh, they went to Garrett Gilbert, who actually didn't look so bad 
Um, uh, um, so, I mean, sorry, Gilbert Garrett, I totally reversed his name there. But either way, uh, it <laughs> looks like Andy Dalton's back. I mean, it looks like he's clearing that, uh, clearing the, the, the COVID reserve list, uh, clearing the concussion. Uh, he should be back uh, coming out. Who knows what's going to happen going forward because uh, they were a little bit of sellers after Dak Prescott went down. So what do you think about the Dallas Cowboys? I think, honestly, I, as I mentioned on the other teams, I think you're not going to see much winning out of them. But I still think you'll see, for the most part, pretty competitive games. I think Dallas is just going to be an absolute mess because I think you could see from the past couple games those players have gave, given up. I think you can't say that about the other teams in the East. Those guys are playing hard. You can see it. Dallas is not in that group. So, uh, I, you know, I mentioned mm-hmm. that I still think they'll get one more. They'll beat the Giants because I think, you know, that farther on, they're just not going to have anything. But I think Dallas is going to lose, and they're going to lose bad. Um, you know, as far as all their, their their strengths, everybody knows it's their receivers. But, again, you know, if it's not Dalton, somebody's got to get in the ball. And the weakness is right now everybody else on their team pretty much. Even Ezekiel Elliott is not showing that, you know, he's not looking elite whatsoever. Um, So this Mm -hmm. is a team that although they'll win one more game, I think that they're going to probably look like, you know, next to the Jets, probably one of the worst teams in the league. Wow. And, you know, it's interesting because when we all, all of us in the offseason had our eyes on all those quarterbacks going around, you know, not only uh, quarterbacks that are going to get drafted, this year, but those um, those veteran quarterbacks that were out in the trade market, and two of the names that people were keeping an eye on were Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston. Looks like both of those guys are going to be playing this week, so that's uh, amazing. This goes to show having a good backup quarterback is important. Of course, I put good in air quotes there because uh, <laughs> Andy Dalton did not look great <laughs> in no, his start for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and but you know, hey, he made well, Ben Ben DiNucci made Andy Dalton look like uh, Tom Brady. So uh, who knows? Yeah, right. Maybe he comes back and he does some good. So they got some guys on tap. They got a bye week coming up. I think I already have an idea how what you're going to say here. But after the bye, coming back week 11, Minnesota on tap. Then your Washington football team got a tough one against Baltimore. Then Cincinnati, San Francisco, and he ends up with the NFC East with Philadelphia and the New York Giants. What's your prediction for the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah, I, I think they'll win that last one against the Giants, but that's it. They'll they'll finish out three and thirteen, and like I said, it'll be ugly. Oof. Even that game, it'll be ugly. I think both teams at that point, it's going to be like who wants to lose more, to be honest with you. Because I think when you're getting into that part, you're talking about both teams are going to go into the game, you know, uh, looking probably in the top five draft picks. So I think who wants to lose more is going to be the discussion at that point. So again, it'll be an ugly win for Dallas, but I think. Yeah, they're just they're just gonna look bad the rest of the way because I just think it starts from the top and it goes on the bottom and I think from Jerry Jones to their coaching staff, their lack of discipline, you know, all the stuff that we're hearing, you know, leaked from the players about the morale on the team and everything, and it's like as bad as Washington Philadelphia is, you're really not hearing that out of there. You're you're ta- you're hearing about their fight. You know, Washington, you have Alex Smith. People are you know they're looking at him. You know, Philadelphia, they're looking at all the, you know, the, getting back the guys healthy to make a run. You know, even Giants, they're looking at right. um, Daniel Jones, how he's, you know, put them on their back. Dallas has none of that right now. So, um, yeah, they're, right. they're, they're going to be the ones that just uh, limp into the offseason. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's, that's going to be interesting. Wow, this is going to be a real mess then. This is going to be really hard to watch. But that being said, yeah. two more questions, one more about Dallas, and then i got to go back because I didn't get your prediction on the rest of the Washington football team's schedule for the rest of the rest of the year so we'll do that last but Mike McCarthy sure. how much of this is his fault uh, 
for the in the Dallas Cowboys and how much of it isn't? Um, I'd say I'd probably give him about 40%. He's a bad coach. I think that he's just a classic example. This is what happens when the game passes you by. I think, you know, people have always talked, they talked about, you know, Bill Cowher coming back for years. And I think even if he came back to a situation like this, it would have been this bad. You just can't be out of the game for this long. It just changed too drastically. But then, like I said, then you're going to put the other 60% on Jerry Jones. Because just like Snyder, they can't keep their nose out of it. And, you know, he actually takes it way farther <laughs> than Snyder is that, you know, he is fully involved in every single day-to-day, you know, goings on with the team. So, you know, just like, you know, Washington, I think that he had a situation where he had um, Johnson running his team and Aikman, Emmett Smith, and Michael Irvin. I think that he'll never see it again. I don't think he's going to be able to see glory days like that again simply because he does not have to back off. And he just really, you know, he got lucky with that situation. So I think that, you know, coaches is the most important of any sport in football but the ownership can wreck everything. And it, and it shows you, you know, situations like Washington and Dallas. Well, there's no more meddling owner than Jerry Jones, in my opinion. So definitely interesting to see how that will all shake out for Mike McCarthy at the end of the year. Sounds like uh, Patsy City right there. Let's switch back over to the Washington football team and end up here. We never did go through the rest of their schedule. They got Cincinnati. Then they got Dallas, San Francisco, Seattle, Carolina, and Philadelphia. What do you think about the Washington football team and how they're all going to end up at the end of the season? You know, my heart, you know, as a lifelong fan, I'd really wish, you know, to give them that, you know, that sixth win, you know, to, you know, let them get the division. <laughs> but, you know, at two, you know, sitting at two and seven right now, I, I see them getting two more wins. I think the Dallas game, the Thanksgiving game, it's, wow. you know, perfect situation for them to really dominate that situation. And I think that they will actually, mm-hmm. they, they will win against Cincinnati this week. I think, uh, you know, Burrow has looked really mm-hmm. good. And I think, you know, we have a little bit of a narrative here with, you know, the, the NCAA matchup, the last matchup they were against each other. And, um, you know, the number one yeah. against no, number two overall pick. So I think in the end, um, what's been happening with Young is, is, is really been getting to him. If you just turn on the film, he's double, triple team chip. I think this is he's going to be his breakout game, just like always in college, the national stage. That's when he had his best game. So I think they'll pick up that, um, that win there. So I think they'll finish out the season, you know, 4-12, and 12, which is crazy to me is that's what most of uh, the experts that out there, they <laughs> predicted, I think, last year exactly the three wins, and they did it again. And I was like, no way, not with this defensive line. But uh, it certainly seems like that's where, (laughs) yeah, that's that's the road they're heading down. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, hey, after the next two weeks, you'll be four and seven. So enjoy that. Uh, Four and seven doesn't (laughs) sound all that bad. So anyway, we are at the end of the show. I'm going to hit the air horn on the show now. It's uh, always fun. Always great. Thanks so much, Adam, for joining us on the show. Adam from the Burgundy and Gold Report. Everyone, please go check that out. Adam, you want to you want to go ahead and promo something that you're working on right now? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you can catch all my articles, podcast appearance, everything uh, at my site at burgundyandgoldreport.wordpress.com. And as I mentioned, uh, I'm working with the Burgundy Network podcast. They have a series, uh, Breaking Burgundy, uh, which is all about you know draft pot prospects that we think could fit in Washington. So uh, we've been doing the series on the quarterback. That'll continue uh, coming up. So um, you know, there's still a lot to talk about and write about for the Washington uh, football team, but. Uh, uh, draft season pretty much in full swing for everybody in the NFC East. So, uh, yeah, just stay tuned. Uh, definitely a lot more coming from the Burgundy and Gold Report. 
Great. This is fantastic. Everyone definitely check that out. This is good stuff. You're missing out if you're not already checking it out. All right, Adam, want to give you uh, your social media so people can follow you? Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, you can also follow me at the BNG Report or Twitter, lowercase r. Terrific. Everyone give them a follow. Get that information fast and in lots of detail. And, of course, as usual, um, a great show of Adam giving us terrific information. Thank you, all you listeners, for coming out and joining us. Thanks for wasting time with us. And until next time, enjoy your NFL week. Thank you.